Take your Bible, if you would, please. Find the 24th chapter of the book of Joshua tonight. Joshua chapter number 24 will be in chapter 23 as well. But I want to begin in chapter 24 for our text as we continue tonight our series on the subject of a Christian home. It's my belief that the Lord will allow me and enable me to preach one more message in this series. We have gone to and began this series by visiting the home of the young man Timothy. We learned in his home what what makes a home a Christian home. We learned in his home the purpose of a Christian home. We left Timothy's home and we went back thousands of years to the home of Moses. And at the home of Moses, we learned from Amram and Jochebed that the necessity inside a Christian home of a biblical worldview. We left Moses' home and went back even further into the home of Lot. And we went into Lot's home. He was the cousin, or the ne- I'm sorry, the nephew of Abraham. And we learned from Lot's home that in a Christian home is to be a separated home. Separated away from the world. Separated unto the Lord. Not from necessarily the peoples of the world. You're to be a good neighbor. You're to love your neighbors yourself but from the system of the ungodly world, that which is filled with the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. We move forward a little bit in after to the, when the children of Israel moved into the promised land and we visited the home of Achan. And we learned that a Christian home is free from the accursed. Achan had disobeyed God. Achan had stolen from God. Achan thought that he could hide his disobedience and his thievery by digging a hole in his tent and covering up what he looked at to be spoil. And Achan was able to dig a hole and hide it from the leadership of Israel, but he was not able to hide it from the living God. And Achan is known in the Bible as the man that troubled all Israel. Of course, you know that Jeroboam is the one that is known that has made all Israel to sin. Achan not only troubled all Israel, he destroyed his own family. And we talked about how when we bury things in our home, when we bury disobedience, when we bury bitterness, when we bury um, unkindness, when we bury unforgiveness, when we bury lust, if we bury sin inside of our home... The outside world might not know about it, but God knows about it. Eventually, it will affect the peoples of our home. And eventually, if it's not rooted up and confessed, it will destroy our homes. From the home of Achan, we catapulted into the New Testament. And last week, we went to the home of the prodigal son. This is the parable that is told by the Lord Jesus as a wonderful picture of redemption and also a wonderful uh, portrait of uh, a murmuring Israel. And we looked at the home of the prodigal and we learned that every Christian home needs to understand the power of love and forgiveness. We said from the outset of that message that no home is perfect. Sometimes pastors get elevated into positions that we should not be elevated in. 
Don't think that your home has problems and my home doesn't. Don't think that your home is imperfect and my home is perfect. I want you to know something that all of our homes are susceptible to difficulty. Good homes can even have difficulty. And so the prodigal son grew up in a home where his dad loved him. His dad was successful. His dad was giving. It was a good home. But even in that good home, that prodigal boy's heart was wrong. He came one day to his dad and said, I hate you. Not only do I hate you, I wish you were dead. Matter of fact, I'm going to act like you're dead right now. I want you to give me my inheritance. I want you to let me go. Most of you men are probably like me. If that had been my son, I'd have ripped his head off his neck and spit down his neck, right? Let me ask you a question. If your kid came to you tonight and said, I hate your guts, I want you to give me my inheritance now, would you give him a dollar? There you go. The prodigal gave him, the father gave him his inheritance. I'd, I don't know what I would ever do in that moment. You don't know what you would do in that moment. Kid took it, ran away into a far country, and wasted it on riotous living. The reason the boy would live riotously is because that was what was in his heart. And at the end of that journey, after he had spent everything he had, he ends up in a hog pen. In the middle of that hog pen, he, he has a moment of sanity. It's funny how when you're engrossed in sinful behavior, life becomes so insane so fast. When you crash, you have a moment of sanity. In the moment of sanity, he remembers the love of his dad. And he remembers the forgiveness of his dad. And that drew him back. Mom and dad... We may not have much control always over the hearts of our kids. We may not have much control over the decisions that they make for very long. It's a very scary thing when your children begin to make decisions for themselves. And yet, no matter how far that they run outside of the house, if that Christian home is one that's filled with love and forgiveness, when they get to the end of their road, I think they'll remember that. Next week, I want to go to the home of Jesus when he's a little boy. And I think I can help us in the organization of our homes. Tonight, we very quickly have to get to the home of Joshua. And we need to get there very quickly because if you look at Joshua chapter 23 in verse number 14, Joshua makes a statement about himself the bible says that joshua said and behold this day i am going the way of all the earth joshua's getting ready to die he's at the end of his life at the end of the book he's dead the book of judges opens up now after the death of joshua and they begin to move forward And so we've got just a few verses a few moments before his life is over And I want to visit his home tonight. And I want you to see what was important in the last moments of Joshua's life in his home. And I want to make application to our homes tonight. Would you pick up, please, in verse number 20, or chapter 24, verse number 1. I will read a long text. 
Do you have your ink pen ready? Please have your ink pen ready. And as I read the verses, every time you see the letter I, capital I, I want you to circle that. You should circle about 14, 15 times. Please be on your guard there and catch them and circle them. Verse number 1. And Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel to Shechem, called for the elders of Israel and for their heads, that would be not for their head to be cut off, but for their leadership, for their judges and for their officers, and they presented themselves before God. And Joshua said unto all the people, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel. Now these are very important words that he's communicating that God has given to him. Your fathers dwelt on the other side of the flood in old time, even Terah, the father of Abraham, and the father of Nacor, and they served other gods. Notice small g. And I, that should be your first circle as God is talking here, and I took your father Abraham from the other side of the flood and led him throughout all the land of Canaan and multiplied his seed And gave him Isaac. And I gave unto Isaac Jacob and Esau. And I gave unto Esau Mount Seir to possess it. But Jacob and his children went down into Egypt. You know the history there. Verse number five. I sent Moses also and Aaron. And I plagued Egypt according to that which I did among them, and afterward I brought you out. And I brought your fathers out of Egypt, and you came under the sea, and the Egyptians pursued after your fathers with chariots and horsemen under the Red Sea. And when they cried unto the Lord, he put darkness between you and the Egyptians, and brought the sea upon them, and covered them. And your eyes have seen what I have done in Egypt. And you dwelt in the wilderness a long season, 40 years. And I brought you into the land of the Amorites, which dwelt on the other side, Jordan. And they fought with you. And I gave them into your hand that ye might possess their land. And I destroyed them from before you. Then Balak, the son of Zippor, king of Moab, arose and warred against Israel and sent and called Balaam, the son of Beor, to curse you. They remember that. But I would not hearken unto Balaam. Therefore, he blessed you still. So I delivered you out of his hand. And you went over Jordan and came unto Jericho, and the men of Jericho fought against you, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Girgashites, the Hivites, the Jebusites, and I delivered them into your hand. And I sent the hornet before you. What a weapon God has in using the hornet. I give up. I quit right now. I surrender. Pastor, they had murder hornets in the Bible? And I sent the hornet before you, which drave them out from before you, even the two kings of the Amorites, but not with thy sword, nor with thy bow. And I have given you a land 
for which you did not labor, cities which you built not, and you dwell in them of the vineyards and the olive yards which you planted which you planted not, do you eat? I just want to pause right there. And I would think you could look at those previous verses and say, God is good to the nation of Israel. Right? Verse 14. Now. Here's the application. Now, therefore, fear the Lord. Serve him in sincerity and in truth. Put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt and serve ye the Lord. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, how in the world could it seem evil after all that? Choose you this day whom ye will serve. Whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. If you have a Bible in front of you, would you just read the last part of that verse with me out loud? Here we go. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I hope you have that phrase underlined in your Bible. And I want to visit the home of Joshua tonight. From Joshua's home, even at the end of his life. The title of our service tonight is A Christian Home Serves the Lord. A Christian Home Serves the Lord. Immediately from the text jumps out my main point. And my main point that jumps out to me from the text and from Joshua's address to the nation is that a home that serves the Lord is a home that has made a choice to do so. A Christian home does not serve the Lord without choosing to do it. A home doesn't serve the Lord by default. There's thought. There's conclusion. There's prudence, there's judgment, and there's a choice. I notice from the text that in Joshua's position, the choice for his house to serve the Lord was made by him. I would submit to you and to me, to my wife, That it is the responsibility of the leadership of the home to choose for that home to serve the Lord. This is something that must be led. This is something that must be fought for. This is something that takes demand. Choice to serve the Lord. The Bible says, and Jesus himself said in the book of Matthew, no man can serve how many masters? Two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will hold to the one 
despise the other. Jesus would go on to say that you cannot serve God in mammon. Mammon is not man. Mammon is wealth. But the premise and the principle is the same. No man can serve two masters. Joshua is reminding the nation of Israel as he presents to them the true and living God, capital G, and the gods that were on the other side of the flood, or in the land that they dwell, small g. Joshua is reminding them that he has made this choice for his home, and he is encouraging this choice to be made for their home. So I would ask you some questions, and I already know where I'm going with the answer, but I want you to think. You don't come to this church not to think. What does it mean to serve the Lord? I would ask you to please get an answer to that. What does it mean for an individual to serve the Lord? And what does it mean for a home? To serve the Lord. Well on an individual basis I could say. Well I serve the Lord by pastoring. I submit to you. That that's not the extent of serving the Lord. I would submit to you that that's the evidence that I serve the Lord. But it's a very small. You might say well I sing in the choir. Well I work in Awana. Well I teach Sunday school. Well I hand out tracts. Why help on the property? By the way, help on the property. That just reminded me. Uh, we need some rock pickers tomorrow. We need somebody to take a rake in the little islands where we got to put the sod down and just rake up the little rocks into a pile so we can put them in a bucket. We need rake, rock raker picker uppers. It is a horrific job, but it's unto the Lord. Okay? Okay. So we need you if you're interested. Many people think that serving the Lord is something that they do on Sunday. Many people think that serving the Lord is their position inside of a church. If I was to ask you, does your home serve the Lord? You would say, well, we go to church. I submit to you that those are important, but they're not the depth of what it means to serve the Lord. I would love to give you what I think is a Bible definition of what it means to serve the Lord from the 23rd chapter of the book of Joshua. If you would look at Joshua chapter 23 and you find in verse number 1, he's, he's called together in this moment of rest that they have around their enemies. In verse number 2, he's called for all the elders as well. And he's encouraging them. And I want you to take your ink pen and begin at verse number 6. If you were to ask Joshua, what does it mean to serve the Lord? Joshua, what did you mean by that sentence? You're on your deathbed. There's not much more you could do. What, what do you mean, Joshua, when you say, as for you and your house, you're going to serve the Lord? Well, Joshua would tell you in verse number 6 of chapter 23, we're going to be very courageous to obey the Lord. Be, therefore, very courageous to keep and to do all that is written in the book of the law of Moses. Turn not aside therefrom to the right hand or to the left. What does it mean to say that our home serves the Lord? That means that our home obeys the word of God. 
And it doesn't mean that we obey it conveniently. It means that we obey the word of God courageously. That means we stand when we need to stand. We submit when we need to submit. That means in my home, the Bible is the final authority in a home that serves the Lord. You cannot say that your home serves the Lord if your home is disobedient to the word of God. Number two, verse number seven. That ye come not among these nations. These that remain among you neither make mention of the name of their gods, nor cause to swear by them, neither serve them, nor bow yourselves unto them. What does that mean? That means, if I, what does it mean to serve the Lord? It means that I am courageously obedient to the Word of God. And it means that I am confidently submitted to God as the supreme allegiant of my life. Which means that there's only one God that I love and that I worship. There's only one God that holds my oath or my allegiance. I do not make evil associations. I do not let the God of this world dictate to me what is approved or not approved. I do not let the God of this world dictate to me where, where my allegiance lies or my hope lies. In, in other words, no one on the earth means more to me than Jesus does. Verse number 8. But cleave unto the Lord your God. What does it mean to serve the Lord? It means I'm courageously obedient to the word of God. Confidently submitted to God himself. There's no God above the Lord in my life. And I cleave, cling unto the Lord. Listen to the description as Joshua reminds them. As you have done unto this day. For the Lord hath driven out from before you great nations and strong But as for you, no man hath been able to stand before you unto this day. And they were a weak people. One man of you shall chase a thousand. For the Lord your God, he it is that fighteth for you as he hath promised. A home that serves the Lord cleaves unto the Lord. We realize without him we are nothing. We have nothing and we can do nothing. We realize that victory in our home is because of him. We realize when we're on his side, we're on the right side. We realize we have no one better than the Lord. Our home is cleaving, clinging, clinging, latched on to the Lord. Reminds me that a man is to leave his father and his mother and cleave unto his wife. Verse number 11 Take good heed, therefore, unto yourselves, that ye, what class? Love the Lord. So if we want to put a definition together of what does it mean to serve the Lord. When Joshua says that my house will serve the Lord, he's not talking about them singing in the choir. He's not talking about them being rock picker uppers, although for this sake we need rock picker uppers. He says, my home will obey the word of God. 
My home will be allegiant only to the true and living God. My home will cleave to the Lord and it will not let go. And my home will love the Lord. I submit to you that this is how a Christian home serves the Lord. I would submit to you this caution. Obedience, allegiance, cleaving, and love many times can be disguised by working in the nursery or by preaching a message or by handing out tracts to the homeless or by picking up the rocks. Sometimes we substitute our outward deeds when really and truthfully God's not so concerned about our outward service. He's more concerned about our inward heart. This to serve the Lord is identified in these four verses. The choice to serve the Lord is one that comes with a powerful motivation. Would you please look at Joshua chapter 24 verse number 14. Joshua chapter 24, verse number 14, he says to them, Now, therefore, what's the next three words, class? Fear the Lord. Serving the Lord is identified in obedience and allegiance and cleaving and love. But the choice for my home to serve the Lord is a choice that must be motivated by fear of the Lord. Not a negative fear. Not an abusive fear, not a harmful fear, not the way a wife would fear a drunk husband or children would fear raging parents. The word fear here is the word reverence. It's respect. It's that which ought to come in awe. Would you please hold your hand and go back to chapter 23 and look, if you would, at verse number 1. The Bible says, and it came to pass a long time after the Lord had given rest unto Israel from all their enemies round about that Joshua waxed old and stricken in age. And Joshua called for all Israel and for all the elders and their heads and their judges and their officers and said unto them, I am old and stricken in age. And ye have seen all that the Lord your God hath done unto all these nations because of you. For the Lord your God is he that hath fought for you. You took your ink pen and you circled I all the way in verse number 20, or chapter number 24 as we read that. As Joshua pointed the nation of Israel to look back as to who God is and what he had done for them, it was natural for them to make a choice to serve him out of reverence and respect. So is it for your home. When I look back at all that God is and all that he has done in my life in dying for our sin, there ought to be a reverence and a respect for him in our home that, motiv- that, that motivates a choice for us to serve the Lord. Do you ever tell anybody, my dad is better than your dad? My dad's going to beat your dad up? I got news for you. Our God is better than any God out there and our God is going to be victor over anybody else. And we ought to look at him with reverence and respect and awe. And that ought to motivate me in my home to serve the Lord. 
the choice is evidenced, as you find, in verse number 14. Look at this. Now, therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in truth. Underline those two words, sincerity and in truth. When you're sincere and you're truthful, you're speaking from and acting from your heart. The choice to serve, to serve the Lord is a choice. We've identified what it means to serve the Lord. We understand that this choice is to be motivated by a godly, reverential, and respectful fear of the Lord. But this choice to serve the Lord is evidenced in how I live my life in toward the Lord in sincerity and in truth. So let me just read you a verse that every time I read the verse just pains me. But keep something here. Find the book of Isaiah. Find Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 29. Please, I beg you. If you're taking notes, you can write down Matthew 15, 8. And you can write down Mark chapter 7, verse 6. Matthew 15, 8. Mark chapter 7, verse number 6. I think both of them that Jesus is speaking there in reference to what is mentioned here in Isaiah chapter 29. And I really believe you'll get a, a good description of what the opposite of what sincerity and truth really looks like. I'll wait for you to get there. Isaiah 29 verse 13. I wish I had time for the context. You can get the context in your private study at home. Verse 13. Wherefore the Lord said, For as much as this people draw near me with their, what class? Mouth, and with their lips do honor me, but have removed their, what? Heart. Where'd they remove it from? Far away, right? They've removed their heart far from me, and their fear toward me is taught by the precept of men. That means they were taking man's word over God's word. And God said, Israel, listen to me. With your mouth and with your lips, you sound beautiful. But I know your heart. Why do you keep giving me lip service and you don't give me your heart? The reason you don't give me your heart because in your, you're letting men teach you about me, precept, precept, instead of letting my word teach you. So when Joshua says that our homes are to serve the Lord in sincerity and in truth, he's not talking about lip service. He's talking about honest hearts. That's powerful, isn't it? That means, Dad, what comes out of your mouth is backed up by the way you live your life. Mom, that means that what comes out your vocal cords is the same thing that resonates under your breath. 
young people, they're not in the room tonight. But the way you are in the home is the way you are out of the home. A Christian home should serve the Lord. If you agree with that, would you say amen? Amen. The evidence that we really do is we do it in sincerity and in truth. And that means it's not just lip service. It's actually something that comes from the heart. Back and we'll close in chapter 24 of Joshua. In verse number 15, Joshua says, really and truthfully, this choice is inevitable. You will choose. And he lines it up by saying in verse 15, if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord. I can hardly imagine looking back in chapter 24 and in chapter 23, how the people of God could think it'd be evil to serve the Lord. But sometimes I look at Christian people today and they don't think it's profitable to serve the Lord or they think it's some way negative to serve the Lord or they they somehow think evil of the Lord. And how do they evidence that? Well, you choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your father served on that side or the gods of the Amorites in the land who you dwell. He wasn't giving them a blessing to choose those. He was just letting them know that that's the two choices. So please look your pastor in your eye, his eyeballs and those of you that are on the camera. My home and your home. We will either serve capital G-O-D or we will serve little G-O-D. That's it. And it doesn't matter what comes out my mouth because a lot of things come out my mouth. It matters the sincerity and the truth. It doesn't matter that I preach a message or that I'm a pastor. It matters if I'm courageously obedient. If I'm confidently submitted. If I cleave unto the Lord. If I love the Lord. Let me show you the danger that's happened to, that was promised to happen to them and it will happen to us. Please go to verse number 12 of chapter 23 and we'll finish with this reading. Joshua had just told them, love the Lord. Verse number 12 begins with a weird word. The word is what? Else. Else. You better do this or else. Right? Many a husband has heard that before. That was a joke. Else, if ye do in any wise go back and cleave unto the remnant of these nations, even these that remain among you shall make marriages with them and go in unto them, and they to you know for a certainty that the Lord your God will no more drive out any of these nations from before you, But they shall be snares and traps unto you, scourges in your sides, thorns in your eyes, until you perish from off this good land which the Lord your God hath given you. Joshua said, fellas, if you don't choose God and you choose to go away from God, the result of that is three things. And write them down. They come down with P. You will lose your power. You will lose your peace. And you will lose your presence. 
You will lose your power. You will lose your peace. And you will lose your presence. I would submit to you that a Christian home today can lose the power of God upon it. I told you at the beginning of this series that there's nothing more dangerous than a home that says it's Christian but isn't. You could lose your peace. Many of our Christian homes don't know peace. There's not peace in the marriage. There's not peace in the family. There's not peace in the children. There's not peace in the, in the spirit of the home. And we've lost our presence, which is a testimony to the victory of God. A Christian home is a home that serves the Lord. It is a choice that we make, motivated by a fear, evidenced by sincerity and truth, and exposes our hearts. I submit to you that I have a desire for my home to be a a home that serves the Lord, and you would have that same desire, and we should say amen together. Amen. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, these are this is a choice that the leader or leaders of the home are to make. The Bible says that the man is the head of the home. He should be making this choice. The Bible says that Whoso findeth a wife findeth a good thing. And the wife is a completer. A man's incomplete without his wife. And so she too then is in the process of leadership in part. The two become one. So they in leadership make this choice for their home. Single people, they're the leader of their home. A choice must be made. It seem evil to not serve the Lord or to serve the Lord is good. I think we need to understand what it means to serve the Lord. It's not just because I sing in a choir, teach Sunday school, or I'm in Awana, or I pastor the church. It's because I have a heart of obedience, a cleaving to the Lord, a love to the Lord. The decision should be easy when you look back at who you are and all you've done in our lives. Motivated by reverence and awe and respect. Evidenced by sincerity and truth. He said, you guys, you guys with your lips and your mouth, you tell me things. But your heart's not in it. Let that not be said about our homes, that we're just lip service, but that our hearts are in it. And then there's the exposure of which God do we want to serve, and which God do we love. Lord, I believe that the people of Plantation Baptist Church desire to have homes that serve you. It's not just a one-time choice. I find that I have to make this choice often. Almost every day, something comes up, a problem comes up, a difficulty comes up, and and then i got to choose. Now, am I going to serve the Lord or not serve the Lord? Help us in these moments, in these days, to make that choice that Joshua said. As for me and my house, we will. 
we will serve the Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I chose a little chorus to go out on. I don't know if you know it or not. It's a small one, right, Brother Rod? Brother Rod, here, I'm going to entrust you with a judicial decision, right? If we absolutely stink at the first attempt at this, make us do it twice. But if you think we did a good job, then you can dismiss us on the first time. All, it's up to you. You're the supremo head of decision in all this. Let's stand. I will serve thee because I love thee.